chapter 21, verses 1 to 7. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayers of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? they asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son, Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in old age. This is the word of the Lord. Right. Good morning. Um, we're all sort of quite um, spread around the church. If you want to move forward a little bit while I just adjust this, please do. Okay. Well, I think you're all settled. Um, now, I don't know whether, like me, you grew up with... Um, Old Testament stories. Um, my Old Testament stories are about lots of heroes of the faith. Um, Noah and the Ark, 
uh, Daniel and the Lion's Den, um, David and Goliath, uh, the list goes on and on, doesn't it? Um, but I often used to think, where were the heroines? Or as we put up here, the, she, the sheroes, that's a new one. I hadn't heard that before. But I grew up wondering where those women were. And a friend said to me a little while ago, I would really love to learn a bit more about the women of the Bible. Um, so nowadays you can get lots of books about women in the Bible. And one of the things we try and do for our women's breakfast is always think about um, a woman in the Bible who inspires us, um, as well as local women who inspire us as well. Now the patriarchs in the Bible, they're really well recognized, aren't they? But there are also some equally significant matriarchs. And we're going to think about some of those over the next few weeks. But no one plays a greater role in the history of God's people than Sarah. So we're going to think about Sarah this morning. And as Abraham is seen as the father of our faith, because Sarah has such a pivotal role, um, she can equally be seen as the mother of our faith. So what do we know about Sarah? Well, when she's first introduced, we're told that she's about 65 years old and well past childbearing age. And the fact that she hadn't been able to have children um, is really important in terms of the latest stories about her. We don't know how God first spoke to this couple. We, the Bible just says, God told Abraham. But we do know that Sarah and Abraham were really faithful and obedient to God. And they left their homeland and they traveled to a faraway place that God had called them to. We also know that Sarah was a beautiful woman. In Genesis 12, Abraham says to her, I know that you are a woman beautiful to behold. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, because they, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and then my life may be spared on, account, on your account. Now, if you read Genesis 12, this plan really didn't go very well, as actually most of this couple's human plans didn't. But then, years later, they made exactly the same mistake and offered her to the king of another country as a wife. You'd really thought that they would have learned the first time. But in fact, Sarah must have been absolutely stunning because the second time they did this, she was actually 90. So I think she must have worn incredibly well. So we know that Sarah was obedient to God and had moved home with her husband. She was obviously a beautiful woman, well on into her years. Um, but we know that trusting in the gift that God had promised them was much harder for her. We read that God spoke to Abraham a number of times about the promise of this gift. And in the story that we just heard Richard read earlier, God spoke to Abraham when he looked at the night sky and God promised that his descendants would be as many as the stars in that sky. Now, Sarah must have known about that promise of a child, because in her desperation, she then takes matters into her own hands. And after years of waiting, she eventually tells Abraham to sleep with her servant Hagar and have a child through her. And if you read on in the story, again, another of their human plans it really didn't go well, and there were disastrous consequences for everyone. And as I read this, I just think, did Sarah not think that that promise 
was for her too? Or did she need to find another way to make God's promises work? What Sarah had forgotten was that God's promises for Abraham were not for him alone. They weren't going to be fulfilled through the servant's child. The promises were going to be fulfilled through Sarah's child. So after the birth of, the, of Hagar's child, Ishmael, we read that God graciously spoke to the couple again and reminded them of this promise, the promise that included both of them, not just Abraham, the promise that was for Sarah too. So if you've still got your Bibles open, I'm just going to read a couple more verses from Genesis chapter 17, starting at verse 15. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. God's promise was for Sarah as the lawful wife. She was the one to be the true mother of this promised nation. And as God reminded them of this promise, he changed Abraham's name, Abraham's name to Abraham and Sarai's to Sarah. She was the only woman in the Bible to have her name changed by God, and her name meant princess. But then God is so gracious. Again, he reminded them in the passage that Lizzie read to us earlier, he reminded them again of this promise. And I don't know, don't know whether you've noticed, but God often will tell us things again and again and again. He certainly does with me. I think I'm probably a bit deaf, um, probably don't really trust what I hear. Um, God knows that we doubt. He knows that we need reminding of his faithfulness, that we worry about whether we've misheard. We worry about whether our senses have got it right. So, in the passage that Lizzie read we, read, we read that God literally walks up to this couple in three persons and tells them face to face about this promise for them. And Sarah finds it the most hilarious thing that she's ever heard. But to be fair to her, if I was approaching 90, I think I might respond in the same way. The promise had been given to them 25 years ago at the age of 65. And if she thought that 65 was pretty old to have a baby, she must have thought that God waiting for another 25 years until she was 90 was completely crazy. And I think for Sarah, no wonder she took matters into her own hands. No wonder she tried to plunge ahead with a different solution. No wonder she doubted and she laughed. When my girls were small, the very first children's Bible we had had the story of Abraham and Sarah in it. 
Um, not with the bit about Abraham sleeping with the servant. Um, obviously, that was left out in the children's Bible. Um, but my children, particularly one of my girls, loved the story, and she would get me to read it again. Like It was like night after night after night. And the bit that she loved was when I read about Sarah laughing, and she would just giggle. She just thought it was hilarious. Um, I don't know what tickled her, but it was just this phrase that Sarah laughed. But I think it's really unfair that we always think that it's Sarah who laughed and doubted, because she's no different to her husband. In the passage I just read, we read that Abraham also laughed when God had explained that Sarah would be the mother, mother of this nation. And I think the fact that he had slept with her servant probably means that he doubted God's plans too. For Sarah, there was no natural way that she could conceive a child. And it reminds me a little bit of the story of Lazarus, of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, of God creating life from death. Jesus knew that Lazarus would have been dead for a few days when, his, when he arrived, and his response was this. He said, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, so that you may believe. Like Sarah and the family of Lazarus, we may not always understand God's ways or his delays, or that things are even possible but God seems to do things to help us believe, to raise our faith. And so in both these stories, for Sarah and of Lazarus, we see God creating and recreating miraculously because the only way was miraculous. The only way was God's way. And it meant that for Sarah, for the nation that she was about to birth, their foundation was based on a miracle. If God could do this, what else was possible with God? If God could create life out of nothing, what should this have reminded Sarah of? And also remind all the future generations of? It should remind them and us of this, that God is the God of creation. He makes things out of nothing. He creates, he recreates, he promises, he rescues, and he saves. So Sarah plays a hugely important role in the whole history of salvation. She had absolutely no idea, but she was completely integral to God's plan of rescue with the Messiah, the rescuer. Their son, her son, Isaac, would go on to father Esau and Jacob. Jacob would father 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel. And from the tribe of Judah would come David, whose descendant would eventually include Jesus. God incarnate, God in flesh, fully God, fully human, our promised saviour, the one who recreates who recreates out of nothing. And Sarah's struggles and her successes provide a beautiful pattern for future biblical characters and for us. And although Sarah struggled in her faith and made other plans at times, God saw fit to include Sarah as the first woman in Hebrews 11 
Faith Hall of Fame. And in Hebrews 11, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Sarah considered him faithful who had made the promise. At times, Sarah doubted God, and I think these doubts were completely understandable. I think it's easier to trust God for things that are in our control, where we can help with, something that we can do, where we can participate. So for Sarah, this was moving home. But I think when we have to trust God with something that we have no control over, I think this is so much harder. For Sarah, she had trouble believing God in this promise of a child. It was something she had no control over that was humanly impossible for her. And waiting for God to act in our lives may be the hardest task we ever face. And if God's solution does not match our expectations, then this is really tough. But God says to Abraham and to Sarah and to us in Genesis 18:14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah was looking at God's promise from her limited human perspective. But the Lord used her life to unfold an extraordinary plan, proving that he's never limited by what usually happens. So what can we learn from Sarah's story? Well, sometimes I think we can feel like God has placed our lives in a permanent holding pattern. But rather than doubting or being afraid or taking matters into our own hands, we can let Sarah's story remind us that a time of waiting may be God's precise plan for us. God's plan will be better than our own. I think we can also remember that God can take something that is beyond hope and bring hope and life miraculously. And we see this in the stories of Jesus, don't we? We see him like bringing Lazarus back from the dead, but even more obviously in the miracle of Jesus' own death and resurrection, where there seemed to be no hope where hope had gone, but there, there was actually life and hope and victory. Where there was something so disastrous like death, death is, death was, there was actually hope. And when we look to the miraculous birth of Isaac out of nothing, we also see the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus, that miracle of life, but in Jesus, life forever. But then there's also something else quite lovely about this story. In asking them to name their child Isaac, God was asking them to name him Laughter. God turned Sarah and Abraham's badly, uh, badly timed sense of humor and their sadness and their tears of laughter into something beautiful, as he often does. 
God not only turned this couple's doubting into hope, but he turned their false laughter into true laughter of deep joy. And the same is true for us. When we look to the cross, when we look to Jesus, not only do we know that there is life and hope, but we know that God can turn our sorrow into joy. God's plans are way beyond anything that we can dream of. His love for us is demonstrated in ways that we cannot fathom. And so we hope and we trust, despite what our lives might look like at this point in time, despite the fact that we might be waiting and longing and holding on to God with a grip that we think might be really fast failing. But God is the faithful one. Sarah's faith was pretty weak. She laughed at the thought of God's promises. But it was God who was faithful. And actually all Sarah needed to do was to hang on to God's faithfulness. So this morning, wherever you're at, God is faithful. God's promises do not fail. Even though we may doubt, even though we can't see the future and we can't see how things are going to work out, we, have may, we may have absolutely no idea what God has in store for us. But I really want to encourage you this morning, be like Sarah, not in taking things into your own hands and making your own plans, but in Sarah, in how she learned to trust in God's faithfulness to her, how she learned to hang on to the God who can bring life out of nothing and can turn sadness and doubt into laughter and hope and joy. I'm going to spend a few moments just quietly in prayer as we think about this story. I want to invite you, perhaps for the first time, perhaps you've never had this sort of conversation with God, or perhaps you haven't spoken to God like this for a while, or actually just perhaps you're calling out to God constantly, but I really encourage you to put your trust in God's faithfulness to you today. To ask him to help you. Sometimes we don't even have enough faith to ask God for help. Sometimes we need to ask God to help us to ask him for help. Father God, I want to pray for us this morning. Like Sarah, I pray that you would help us to hang on to your faithfulness, whatever situation we're in this morning. Thank you that even if our faith seems incredibly weak, just a glimmer. Well, thank you that it's actually not about our faith. It's about your faithfulness to us. Thank you that you can turn our doubting into real solid hope. Thank you that you can turn our sadness and our longing into joy and laughter.
Thank you when there seems to be no way you can make a way for us. Thank you even when we might make our own plans like Sarah did and they seem disastrous. Thank you that you can bring things to perfection and you can make things right. So we lift up this morning to you and lift up all that's on our hearts, Father God, and pray that you would be there in the midst. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.